Jesus in verse 20. He says, Now he has in Jesus finished the narrow qualifying work that he departed from there and entered into the holy one, and now reigns forever. Now, if you've been with us up to this point, you know that back in Matthew chapter 10, the Lord was speaking to his disciples, the men were going to make some money, giving them the mandate to go make some money, telling them, you know, to go into the city, to go two by two, and to share the gospel, to preach the message of repentance. What they were, in one sense, was forerunners. And so they were going into the cities, in one sense, preparing the way for the coming of Jesus Christ. And so after the Lord had given them instructions, the Bible says that then he went and he went to the cities to preach notice and to preach the word. Now we're going to come back to this when we get to verse 20, but first we deal with John the Baptist. Now look what it says there in verse 20. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do you look like one? Today we're going to learn all about the Lord Jesus Christ. How awesome he is. And you guys, I know we go through a lot of things in life, and I know you might be distracted with so many temptations in life. But I really want to encourage you today, my mission, our mission here as a church, as a leadership, is just to point you to Jesus. We've been studying that in the book of Hebrews on Sunday nights. It's been such a blessing. It's been such an awesome thing just to come back really to what it's all about with these scriptures, just to make sure that our heart is in the right place. Here we see Jesus goes out into the cities and he begins to preach the word of God. He begins to preach to people with a passion, telling them about God's love, telling them about God's greatness in their lives and just wanting them to get right with him, to come to him, not to be distracted with the things of the world. And so he goes out, maybe one of the cities he goes to is near the vicinity of where John the Baptist was. And so now at this point, after preaching, John the Baptist has been put in prison. And the reason he's there is because he took a stand for righteousness. He made a stand. He had a conviction. He had that courage. And as a result of that, the ruler there of Galilee, Herod Antipas, put him in prison. You see, what had happened was Herod Antipas had went to Rome, seduced his brother's wife, came back home, divorced his wife, and then brought Herodias's brother's wife to him. Now, his sister-in-law, and it sounds like a, a soap opera or something. It's just a crazy thing. And, and he's living in sin. He's living in adultery. And John the Baptist had that conviction. He had that courage to call sin sin. And as a result of that, they took him and they proper and they threw him into prison. Now when he's there, it's kind of a weird thing because John the Baptist was a man who was loving to be outdoors. He lived in the wilderness. You know, he was a man outside, not wanting to be confined, wanting to get the message out. And here he was, think about it, in a Roman cell, a single room. And then a week goes by. And then a couple of weeks go by and he's still in prison. And then a month goes by and six months go by and he's still in that little prison, that dungeon there in Rome. And then as time progresses, a year goes by, a year and a half goes by, and John the Baptist is still in prison. He actually says to Jesus, you know, I don't condone his activity, but I understand his activity. Would you be willing to punish him? Would you be willing to punish him? I did my best to try to make a stand for righteousness.
and I did my best to try to be the man that you want me to be, and here I am in prison, here I am in this pain. And then the doubts began to creep in. And so what did he do? He said, the presence of the disciples will be with you. Will they be the one, or will you go hungry? And when you think about how awesome John the Baptist was, and how sure he was, and now being at this point where he's, man, he blows your mind, you're thinking, well, how did he come to such a place? But I would venture to say that a lot of us here might dabble with some of the same things. Some of us here who are in the dark, like for so many days, we do question our own righteousness. We might lose the cutting edge and our own perspective of the Lord. We might question and find ourselves in areas of life where we appear to fit suffering sometimes here. I mean, America today, man, if we're going, you know, to this place, maybe uh, the question among us who might be dissenting would say that, man, when there's a Spanish householder in America complaining that he owes some money to Mexico, what are those other immigrants like? And maybe you find yourself there struggling physically, struggling financially, struggling emotionally, going through things in your life you know, you might even begin to wonder, where is God in this? And the doubts begin to creep in. When we look at this, we see the hesitation of John. And again, like I share with you guys, I don't condone his doubts in any way, shape, or form. And sometimes I find that difficult. But I want to encourage you to stay tuned. I don't want to encourage you guys to learn from really the mistake of John, who really shouldn't have done this, who really have held to his faith in Jesus Christ, but you know what? He was a man, and as we see here tonight, that even the best of men are men who doubt. And so the Lord was prompting John to take his mantle and said to him, you go and you tell them that you are Christ. That the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You know, we go through the struggles in life and we go through the dark periods and you might not have the feelings that you might have once had when you're walking with the Lord. And you're questioning his sovereignty and the way things are going. And the Lord here, in the end, he says, you know what? Bottom line is this. Don't question my sovereignty. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John the Baptist was preaching that Jesus was taking too long. And I think sometimes in our life we have that question as well. Lord, by now I should be here, we should be there, and this isn't taking place. And God says, no, don't be making stones because of my sovereignty. You trust in me because I am who I am. He tells him, listen, you go back and you tell John this. Notice again, you've got to read this a little slower. Verse 5, the blind see. Think about that, man. The lame now walk. The lepers, they're cleansed. The deaf, they hear. The dead, here we go, this is so crazy. The dead are raised to life. And even the poor, the ones that have been ostracized, that have been neglected, they have the gospel preached to them. Guys, we really need to trust the Lord. I 
like I said earlier, don't question the darkness toward whom you light. Man, remember who he is, what he's done. The one that we're speaking of today, Jesus Christ, he healed the blind, the lame, the deaf, the dead. He preaches the gospel to the poor. He loves everyone. And this is what we need today in these times as we live our lives. As we go through the difficulties in our lives, we don't want you to stumble and fall and fail to make it to heaven or to be everything that God wants us to be in this life. He's proven himself in Jesus Christ. Here we see that Jesus, in essence, tells them a couple of things about himself. He says, well, you go tell John how powerful I am and you go tell John not to abandon me. Because all the things that the Lord would do is exactly what the prophets had said that the Messiah would do over to the book of Isaiah chapter 45 and read the prophecies of the Messiah, what he would do. You see, what Jesus was doing to prove who he was was powerful and it was biblical. And that's the combination that you want to look for whenever you're trying to discover the validity of a prophet. He says right here in Isaiah chapter 35 verse 4, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with a recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing a love song. The waters shall burst out in torrents. You guys see, this book was written 700 years before Jesus Christ's ministry. And the prophecies were, this is what he's going to do. He's going to make the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the dead will rise. We'll see even later, if you look over at Isaiah 61, that he would preach the gospel to the people. He says here in Isaiah 61, verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then the Lord Jesus Christ stated this over in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. That's where he stopped. He said, that's the ministry of the Spirit of God. Well, we see that the Lord had disciplined. He had that spirit in order that he would preach the gospel. ever done this, look at how biblical it is. And when the Messiah would come, these are the things that came about. And it wasn't just, I know you're going to do it since that time. And there you are. You might feel like you're in prison today. You might feel like you're bound in that pain or the questions or the doubts or whatever they might be today in your life. Please understand, God sees your way. You're not hidden from him. He is on the throne. He is in control. 
Jesus. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. John wasn't perfect. We learn from each other through time, but we also learn from each other. And you know, as I was going through this right here, I was thinking, it's kind of cool. The Lord sees all these things that you guys are doing as well. He sees the way that you're making a stand. Some of you here are making a stand for righteousness. He sees that. Some of you here are making sacrifices. You're giving to the Lord sacrificially. And you know that's what God's called you to do. Above and beyond, you're not really interested in soft-serving. I remember my father-in-law, you know. My father-in-law was an amazing man. I know so many things from him. Here's a man who had three houses, right? Worked so hard all his life. But you would never know that he had so much property by looking at him. He used to wear snowy clothes and, and old kennel pins. And he drove, you know, an old truck. And you would never know that he had so much. But he wasn't concerned in those things. He wanted to give 100%. He was living for the Lord at the end of his life where everything came together. And the Lord really spoke to me. He says, you know, we got to be careful with that we're so caught up in our comfort zone right now. I mean, it's amazing the way it works. The temperature wants to be turned up, you know, and otherwise what happens? We get, you know, our ruff, our feathers all ruffled, and so they have a part now where they have a, you know, just the right temperature when you put a trimming in, you get grains through it, and so if you're an emperor or anything, you know, you understand what I'm saying, but we find ourselves living in that, and you know, you go over to the jungles of Colombia, and you can't stand it because of the humidity. Well, I can't be a missionary. You can't be a missionary if you're not a rabbi, right? I mean, God, if God calls us to Colombia, Alaska, Africa, I mean, how are we Americans going to make it? We're so used to our comfort zone. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it forever. Like Lori was saying earlier, it's not about our comfort zone. We're supposed to die to our comfort zone. Lord here says, I seek not and just to get rich, but we need to pass this on. Not if we can afford it. That's a cool thing. As a matter of fact, John was very unique. The Lord says here in verse 11 that those who were born of women, man, there's not one greater than John the Baptist. Now, the reason for that is because John was the forerunner to Jesus Christ. It's not because he was the best prophet in history, because of his words, because of his holiness. No, it's because of his association with Jesus Christ, that he was the forerunner there to the Lord. And so you look at John and you think, wow, amazing man, amazing man. But then look at the Lord's list. Verse 11, Lord will say to you, among those born of woman, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than Jesus Christ says, but he who is born, it says right here, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And there's a few views on that. The first view is this, and I'll share it with you guys. Number one, some people believe that John was insane. They believe that he had some doubts in his backstory. Now, I don't think there's a whole lot of validity to that, but believe it or not, I read somewhere that there were some prophets that had that view. Another view is this, that the people that are greater than John in the kingdom are the people that are the prophets. And there they are in heaven, 
basically teaching them here is not that John is not saved or not that John is not born, but it's just that John is not the new covenant Christ. You see, John is part of the old covenant. And in one sense, he represents the old law. And in the old covenant, you know, a lot different, you guys, than the new covenant. For example, we here as Christians, I don't know if you guys knew this or not. Most of you probably do, but if you're a Christian, God lives inside of you. God indwells in you. Think about that. It's an amazing thing. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you don't have to go and offer sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. That's what they used to have to do in the Old Testament. Think about it. If you had to go and offer an animal every time you came in, how many of you here would live in a temple every single time you came in? I mean, we would be in huge trouble, man. There wouldn't be enough animals to be left. But see, we have this greater covenant. We have this greater privilege. Not only does the Holy Spirit live inside of us, and not only has the shed blood of Jesus Christ been there, set for us once and for all, but we have not the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. We have the full counsel of God, the full revelation of God, the full gift of God. We have everything that God has to give. That's us as Christians. Now, let me just ask you a quick question. If John was able to do what he did without what we have, why is it that we're not able to live even that type of life so many times with all that God has done? And it's not that the Lord is trying to say to us, oh, you're so great. Give us a pat on the back. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you have been given so much. And if John did what he did with what he had, in one sense, God is saying, please, go and do the things that I've called you to do with all that I have given you. My blood, my Bible, my spirit. And that's what he has to do. And we see here as we read the scriptures, the hesitation in John, there's the doubt in John that, man, where is John in this whole situation? You see, the temptation of Jesus in that he looks at John and says, man, he's a good man, but now we need to come to this realization of this. That in one sense, and it's not an issue of pride, it's an issue of responsibility, but in one sense, you have been given so much of the aggression that Christians need to have. They need to go out and just be a little bit more aggressive. And, and really, in one sense, we, we see that picture here, you guys. Notice again, if you look real closely, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Now think about that now. From the days of John the Baptist until you guys who know your Bibles a little bit, what's been going on here in those days? Bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, right? He's casting out demons. He's making the lame to walk. He's preaching the good news. He's telling people to repent. He's
is kind of like now a shift going on in the kingdom realm. And in one sense, that's really, I believe, what the Lord is trying to communicate to us. From the days of John the Baptist until now, I've been fighting this fight. I've been living the life that my father wants me to live. I've been casting out demons. I've been preaching the good news. And what he's saying now is now there's this shift in the kingdom. And what's going to happen? The Lord is going to come. The Lord is going to make a way. As a matter of fact, they're under scourging and things. So all the prophets are kind of while prophesying until John. This is really what it's all been about. And then he comes. And then he comes in his power. Then he taps in on his kingdom. Then he brings his authority. And, and I think it kind of all comes together in this little rebellion within the church is that we everything into that temporary residence. You don't even own it. You don't own it. That's, that's not where you live. That's not your home. And yet how many times, I know I find myself, especially in America now, settling upon what is temporary. And it's all about this and that. And what we get are the accolades and the money we get in and the good food. You know, I think it's okay to see young people serving the Lord and old people serving the Lord and new young people serving the Lord. But... Here it is. For you guys who are older, and for you guys who are medium, you know what I'm talking about, how many of you get to see a young person serving the Lord now. Because, man, they can give God their strength. Right? But if you're not giving God your strength as a young person, then you're giving the devil your strength. I think the Bible says that at one time we were reckoned for unrighteousness, and now we want to be reckoned for righteousness. And, you know, I know it all works together. Don't get me wrong. I know whatever age you are, you have so much whole thing, but you know, love it and just love it when young people are serving the Lord. We shared a story the other night about Dion Moody. One day he came back from a, a, a meeting and until his friend asked him, hey, how many people got saved today? And he said, two and a half. And his other friend said, what do you mean two and a half? Is he adult grandchild? He said, no, he's still the one and only. Because when you get the adults, you don't get half of it. <laughs> but when you get the kids, you get the whole. And we're talking about all these There's this aggressiveness that needs to take place. Not that you're rude and crude, but you guys, you need to go out into the highways and the byways. And you really need to step up this battle that we're in in order that you and I might, in that sense, take the kingdom of God, not by physical force, but by spiritual force. Why? Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And so I don't know where you're at. Some of you here might not even be a Christian or you give your life to Christ. Some of you here, maybe you've been nominal. You've been kind of like lukewarm, one foot in and one foot out. God says, no, today's the day, man. I want all of you, but all of us here in this room. I want all of us. And so 
if you're open to the Spirit, if you're, you know, willing to receive the Spirit, God is ready and likes to use you. Now, in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, this Lord from church has predicted and prophesied that Elijah would come. And even today, you guys, it's kind of interesting. If you were to attend the Jewish Passover, they have all their priests killed except for one. And one's mentioned. Why? Because the Jews know that Elijah is coming before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so they have it there. They're expecting him to come. But what we see here in the life of John is not a spiritual demeanor like that. This is the departure of the saints. According to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, it says there in verse 17, as many angels spoke to Zacharias, the father of John, who said that when John comes, he's going to come in spirit and in power and in glory. And that's what John is doing. It's kind of interesting. They both thought that the same was going to say when he showed up. They wore the same clothing, you know, and they ate the same food, but had the same heart. sessions here have to deal with the evil inclination of the generation. And look what he says in verse 16. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned for you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they said he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, are they trying to justify John's demeanor? It's so clear going through the Bible, and in my Bible, I don't know about yours, but most of these words right here are in red. And what that means is we're just sitting and learning the teachings of First of all, I believe from this presentation that John had that when you're there in the dark, you might not. And I encourage you, right now, you might just hold to your own teachings, no matter what you go through in life, to learn from different experiences. We see the appreciation that, you know, God sees what is going on here. God sees the sins committed, the sacrifices given the Bible, we've been given the blood, we've been given the Spirit of God, and so God help us to trust Him. And we need to remind ourselves that after the meal is over, this evil and wicked generation will put to death the innocent and bring in the innocent. And what was there then is the generation that trusts play the flute asking people to dance and they say no because they got a big frown on their face and they say okay I'll tell you what we'll have some music so you can mourn and they say no that's not what I want and it's like the Lord is saying to the religious leaders primarily here it's like God nothing I, I say nothing we do is right in your sight you're always going to find something wrong with us you're always going to find something wrong with us 
rather than being caught up in what? God's process. God. You're rejecting the prophet of God. You're rejecting God or the prophet. And I want to ask you guys, listen, all of God's prophets, whether they're my students or my responsible followers, they want you to have family and church on the level here as we're going through this passage. You can skip this. Anything you want, if you're caught up in your desires. Are you with me? Are you not satisfied with God? No, he's a little bit ruler, isn't he? We have the demon. We're not satisfied with Jesus, though he's the ruler of the universe. Are you still trying to stop and examine the Lord in your heart? Do you need to allow that pride to fall and to look at righteousness?
Here he's mentioned Tyre and Sidon. These were cities that were utterly wiped out. He said, if they had seen the future, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And this is where, really where we need to be. You know, some people have loose lips. They have hearts that aren't right. They're not living as the husband, the wife. They're not living as the worker, the Christian minister. They're not living with all those roles and responsibilities right where they need to be. And God is saying, I just don't understand why I've shown you so much. Why is it that you're not living right? Is it because you think that God doesn't care? Well, God cares. The Bible says everything is near and open in the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We must give an account. We really do. If not, then we're sinners again because right there we are dead in our sins. And you know, it's kind of in, easy to sing in the choirs of life.
falou que se você deixou algum desses comentários dados para o Twitter durante a Olimpíada, saiba que eram fakes, como o Twitter de Estados Unidos. A Liz Akira não tinha como White no Twitter. Quem vendeu a semente foi o Twitter. Even so, Claudia, I hope you enjoy it and not forget it. The Lord Kira Sims Hudson is monitored for religious reasons and political reasons. He's probably not thinking about the plastic because the plastic keeps rolling. He's probably not thinking about the tax collector because the tax collector is doing all kinds of nefarious transactions with his wealth. You know what he's talking to you right now? Those people that think
you have some really bad revenge from someone about it, you can say, you know, a shadow of a doubt, like, I had a revelation of God, I, I read the word, or I spent some time with him, or he showed me who he is. Maybe through a situation that you find yourself going through, or just something that happened one day, or some happenstance, and then God showed himself to you again in a deeper, fresher way. And none of you here, none of us here know God in his fullness. No, there's none of you been here, you're walking with the Lord for 40 years. There's still more of God to learn about and for him to reveal himself to us. And that's you know, as we live our lives, we find ourselves by confession and by trust. And you know, David Daniels, during the fellowship, this on Thursday, but I, I just have to tell you guys, man, the Lord really spoke to my heart because there's a CD here called um, Another Perfect Stranger, and just to give you a little background on the CD, it's not a perfect DVD, I don't know if I would like even truly recommend it to you, but uh, for me it was good, man, and it was really cool because the, the, the plot of the story is that Jesus Christ came down and he had a conversation with a gal sitting next to this gal in a, in a brotherly ritual, and he, and he had this conversation with her about praying and doing life together, and he came back and dealt with that, and he was telling another side of what happened to him in prison, and he was just, you know, talking to her and this holy, holy, holy God come down and, and just hang out with this girl right here. And I'm just watching this. I have no way wrong. And then just as I began listening to the dialogue and everything, you know, like I began to just really see how God was moving and I thought, you know what? That's what God does. That's what God has done in our lives. I mean, we hung out with Abraham. Think about it. We had with Abraham, you know, some things that he's going to do later on, and he appears to him in the form of uh, a man that I don't even have to think about, but later on we know he's going to get something too, like the Lord came down here to Moses, he appears to Joshua, and he came down as the captain of the army of the Lord of hosts there, he was in the flesh in a body like this, he came down and he spoke to the mother of Samson, I mean, over and over again. There he was leading the children of Israel, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And he's so close, like the person right next to you right now, that's what God has done. He came down, he was born a baby, right? And he walked on this earth and gave us the information that we have today. And it's like, you know, and I don't know if it hits you the way it hit me, but I'll be honest with you, I have not been the same since I knew and I prayed for him just a week ago and how humble he is. And as we have that and as we have these revelations of God, it helps to know that God comes unto us and gives us the things we ask. You know what the treasure is right there for you? He knows all those things. He knows all those things, right? You guys know what a key is for, don't you? 
believe God knows everything and knows about and knows the future. I can see you later and never involve with my future plans. But that's not God's intention. God is so long-term. He knows your heart. And he doesn't have to hold that grudge against you. And if you don't understand that, I'm not judging you. I'm not saying that God just doesn't do that, but you know what? That's not God's intention. Thank you. 
the Lord is saying is to yoke yourself, to be leaned into yourself in the unity. And so it's good. And when you do that, then you actually will find true harmony with God and with one another. And I just love those verses in Luke 10 when you look at the Lord's Prayer. Say, I am
wasn't too long before the money and the pictures ran out and Leah had to go home. And the weary mother wept as the bus left the city back home to Israel. She returned and was soon at her house. She ascended down the hotel steps and she had tears in her eyes as tears fell. Her laughter was broken. Her dreams had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade those countless beds for her secured collar. Yet to her, the little village seemed too far and too many miles away. As she reached the bottom of the steps, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lodging mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes began to burn and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the child's collar. Listen on the back of the sofa was the message. Bring the picture to me. Wherever you go, child, I will always be with you. And God bless you. questions sometimes that you don't ask your father or give us back but you will with us and you continue you continue to point us in the right direction and father I just praise that I am here Lord to need to return to you father that you would speak to them Lord that they would just respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ and if you're here today just in case just in case. And you don't know the Lord or maybe you've drifted from the Lord. I just want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. And he brought you here and he's extending an invitation. But now the ball is in your court. Will you come back? Will you come home to where you need to be? If you want to come back, if you want to respond to that invitation of Jesus, not from me but from him, right where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Please God, put your hands in the corners. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The Bible says that if you confess him before man, he will confess you before the Father who is in heaven. Don't be ashamed. This is what it's all about. Anyone else here? You want to get right with the Lord. You know, it was back in 1989, a very similar setting, where the pastor said, Anyone here want to receive the Lord? And I found myself lost in my sins with no hope in life, addicted to drugs. And I raised my hand. I went forward. I responded. And God came into that open door, and he changed my life. And that's all this is. You admit that you need Jesus right here and now. You raise your hand, you take a step of faith, and you watch what he will do in your life if you really mean it. Anyone else? The most important decision you'll ever make. 
don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. And you know what? Let's sing this too. Father, I thank you for the hands that have gone up, Father. And I pray, Lord, that they would just be real, Lord, and that you would see the extension of their faith. And Lord, I pray that right now, your Holy Spirit would take residence in their hearts. Like you did with me, Father God. I wasn't looking for you. You came looking for me. And you totally changed my life. It was all you. And I pray, Lord, that today you would do that work in those who have responded to you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that you would just take it and use it for your glory. We just pray you would be with us now, Lord, as we sing, as we go this week, Lord. May you bless our Monday, our Tuesday. Whatever it is we're going through, Father, I pray that your spirit would strengthen us and lead us and guide us, Lord. And I pray, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.